economics of bagpiping, how to hold your chanter. So, here, Andrew, are the hands of a famous, really excellent play in bagpiper. I want to make it hard on you so you have a hard time saying anything negative about anybody. <laughs> I know, you're, you're, putting me, you're making me talk about, uh, you know. And maybe, really and maybe you'd rather not identify them, but that, that's, that's part no, of the fun is, uh, do you know fine. whose hands these are? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So here's the same person's hands on Highland Pipes as well as on a practice chanter. Now I've got another that, piper here. I would say oh, go if, ahead. You don't, if you don't know whose hands these are, I, I recommend more bagpipe immersion to you. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't know where uh, you've been. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, where you've been. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, let's carry on. Sorry, I, that, I have a tendency to do that. Well, here's another one. Tell me, tell me whose these are. These might be really easy to identify from the, from the video quality. Mm. But here's another famous bagpiper who does not hold their pipes quite the same. Of course, oh, I could who just, does? I could tell by the, by the, by the shirtless uh, or by the sleeveless <laughs> I was going to say the bicep gives it away, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so two incredible internet bagpiping uh, yeah. you know, uh, players. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. Yeah, uh, both okay, cool. excellent, so, excellent players, but so different in how they're holding their pipes and chanters, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, and then the question is, uh, is one way of holding the chanter wrong, and is the other way of holding the chanter right? Yeah, and how many is ways of holding question? it in between are wrong or right, etc. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I will say that, uh, I will say that uh, there's no wrong or right way to do it. For example, if you can score 51 points a game, it, it doesn't matter how tall you are, right? Mm. Like uh, if you're in the NBA, it doesn't Bud matter Webb, how tall you are if, if you're scoring 51 points a game, right? Like yeah. now, are there ideal, is there like an ideal uh, range of tallness for the NBA? And I think there is, you know, like it seems pretty clear that somewhere between 6'6", six, six, uh, probably even more, right? Like so sure. getting close yeah. to seven, seven feet tall. Probably that seems to be like the ideal way to play in the NBA, but like you've seen short guys do a great job in the past. So mm -hmm. like, it's definitely possible. So there's not only one way to do it, but there might be a best way. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make yeah. sense? That makes so sense. I would say, I would say it's probably true with the practice chanter. So, um, and then however, I, I've always taught uh, what we see Lincoln's hands doing there, the straight, and that's how I was taught, and that's how I place my hands with, with the fingers. You know, uh, the fingers are generally straight, and they're mm -hmm. going to be placed on the holes. And I'm actually generally using the first pads on that left hand when I'm playing that. But then what you see Matt doing, uh, he has that more angled approach, which you will often see. So it's, uh, and I think what's going on is uh, that, that the, the, the hand is sort of being rotated almost upwards to like 45 degrees, maybe not quite, uh, but that hand is being rotated, which does actually have some interesting benefits. Like one of the benefits is from a posture perspective, when you're playing the full bagpipes, right, it helps your arm, your, it helps your left squeezing arm achieve a slightly more natural position uh, as it squeezes the bag. And then like, you know, um, it, I don't know, something tells me that posture though, get cemented early on when you first learn the pipes and it's mm. all dependent on how the bagpipe is set up at the very beginning. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So totally, like totally makes that, sense. that left hand technique and then the, the degree of angle, it probably all happens early in the process. Um, but I've seen, you know, like for example, 
I'd have to double check, but I think Jack Lee has a slightly more angled left mm. hand as well. Just, his his uh, fingers aren't some that I've studied quite as much as some other people's, so I'm not sure off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, well, the, those go the internet bagpiper guys. You know, you you get an up close look at what they're doing. And right. Like both of those guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Both of those guys have incredible technique. Yeah. So so definitely, it's possible to do it either way. Which way's the best? I'm not quite sure. I would teach the, uh, you know, I would teach the perpendicular way. Yeah. Uh, myself most of the time. Yeah, I've never had a chance to talk with Matt McIsaac myself, and so and, and and I have wondered like, what if I did get the chance? Would I even ask him? Because like, I wouldn't want to like, uh, like I, I I remember when I did a I played my bagpipes for a talent show with some friends. We did a Hellbound Train in in high school once. You know, of course, who what bagpiper doesn't do Hellbound Train in, do in high school, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it was Swan. You know Swan. He came up yeah. to me before we went out there to play because he wasn't in the group play, and he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, you ever think about what your what your top hand pinky is doing while you play. Oh, this is a trick that I think many trick. pipers have played on shit. That was yes. the first time anybody had done that to me. It was right before we mm-hmm. went out to play. So, you know, I'm like, well, would I even throw, like, would I go up to Mac, Matt McIsaac before the Glenfiddich and be like, hey man, why do you hold your hands like that? You know, and like, I wouldn't want to screw him up or anything. But I have wondered, is there, is there a strategy there? Like, is there a reason for it? Because the first time I saw it, he was on pipes. I was like, oh, I wonder if he does that on his practice channel. And he does. It's everywhere, you know? Yeah. Well, um, so we can talk a little bit about bagpipe posture. You know, Matt's is definitely different than mine. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the dojo, we've sort of come to uh, we've sort of come to what we think uh, is the ideal kind of like it's ideal to be somewhere in the ballpark of seven feet when you play in the NBA. Like uh-huh. we've sort of uh, we we've sort of eventually. It's actually kind of a funny story that we shouldn't get into on this short show, but like how that came about. Basically we were filming our transitioning to the bagpipes course and like we get, we, we record a couple things and then it's like, wait a minute, we really can't move on until we like decide how you're supposed to hold the pipes, mm. which is something like we'd never really thought about. And then in a relatively short period of time, we came up with basically four bagpipe posture principles that, uh, if you get them right, um, should should result in really good bagpipe posture, um, and, and and I have them on my screen. If you'd like, if we'd like, yeah, to see let's them see them. So here here it is. Here's my thing on my screen. Here's a picture of me, badly photoshopped. Uh, and this picture is in the book Finding Bagpipe Freedom as well, where we discuss posture. But there's basically four. We call them four non-negotiables. But as you can see, they actually are negotiable, because. You know, uh, Matt McIsaac do, does some of these differently. Just, and I'm just using him because he's that image you showed us at the beginning. Well, uh, and he's like, but, he's he's so undeniably good that right, like, he's better. If you than were to me, pick yes. a random, you know, piper and kind of tear their stuff apart, it'd be different, right? But like, he obviously can go ahead and do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you might see everybody with slight exceptions here, but this seems to be like, you know, uh, but this seems to be something that we're very comfortable teaching students. So um, I it, it doesn't really matter what order you discuss these in, but I usually do save the best for last. So like, just start with the base drone angle, which you might see here on the screen, right? We want that base drone angle at an actual angle. So uh, a lot of times you'll see pipers with the base drone perpendicular, kind of pointing straight up into the sky. And that's like not typically generally what we're looking for, right? Mm. And then you'll also sometimes see uh, the bass drone at a 90 degree angle, like pointing like directly at the back wall, kind of like Renaissance fair style. 
you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, that just slipped out. Um, so you'll sometimes see that. And so really what we want is that nice balanced angle. And we want that for like a couple of different reasons. Uh, one of, uh, I think the most important of which is just that that's where the instrument tends to balance the best on your body, right? So one of the big things, like one of the big picture things that we're looking for is that we really want the bagpipe to fit our body naturally, okay? So we can focus on playing and being, you know, we want to be comfortable while we're playing so we can focus on that music coming out instead of like focusing on how uncomfortable our body is, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people say, oh, and I think maybe we'll talk about this more in future episodes, but like, oh, so this thing hurts when I play or like, oh, my lower back just really is bugging me and, or, or whatever. Um, and basically any discomfort is against the rules, right? Mm. For me, if I'm playing and I'm discomfort and I'm uncomfortable in any way with the possible exception of sweating, like no matter how easy your bagpipe is, no matter how comfortable it is to play, I feel like I always sweat a lot. I'm not quite sure what's yeah. up with that. But with that, you know, with the with some common sense exceptions, like I never want to be uncomfortable when I'm playing. But anyway, the bass drone degree angle, 45 degrees. Uh, the next one, the blow stick should fit comfortably in your mouth, right? It should like just sit naturally on that bottom lip. And I shouldn't have to contort my neck. I shouldn't have to wrench my head sideways. And for God's sakes, we should not be blowing out of the side of our mouth. Okay, we should be blowing out of the middle. And again, ideally, are there great pipers who blow out of the side? Yes, for sure. But like, if we have the choice, middle is better. Uh, it's uh, just that, uh, we. It, it makes it makes sense to me in terms of like a, like a numbers game. Like if you were to look at you know like like you were suggesting with basketball, like the majority of NBA players are going to be in this range of height. Though there are some outliers, right? And if you look at like brass players, the majority of brass players play out the middle of their mouth. But there oh is God. a small some percentage. Play out of the side? There's a small percentage that their embouchure is just better suited off to the side. And so, you know, it's probably a numbers game that like the majority, if we all start in the middle, then maybe a few of us will find that we're more comfortable on the side, but the vast majority will probably be most, most comfortable in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Middle. Go middle, people. That's the way to go. Uh, and it's just a stronger, uh, it, you know, the, the strength that you're able to achieve from the middle of your mouth. I'm not a scientist. I haven't studied this, but it seems pretty clearly the best. Uh, and by the way, I'm not totally speaking out of school. Like the first several years I played bagpipes, I was a side blower. Oh, were you? Yeah, and I was I was encouraged to change to the middle. And let's just say I haven't even considered switching back. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like, Jim, I feel like you might secretly be a mouth side blower. Oh, no, I'm not. Got, I'm not. I'm definitely you got a mouth awfully defensive sure. there when I. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> no, no but uh, <laughs> uh, either way, it's not a deal breaker. We've seen some people with like palate, uh, in, palate injuries or, you know, um, you know, not allowing them to really blow out of the center. And so we'll switch to the side. Uh, and that's like, okay, still yeah, yeah. kind of makes me uncomfortable, but like, you know, if, <laughs> obviously it's possible to blow out of the side, but we don't really want to. Yeah. Uh, next one would be that the chanter, when we're playing the bagpipes, the chanter should align with the center of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when you play. So when you hold the pipes, I just happened to bring my sweatshirt with a beautiful line right down the middle. My nice. chanter should line up with that when I'm playing. It'll be out in front of us a foot or so. Okay, but it should align. If it's way off to the side, in either direction, we want to try to resolve that. Um, and then you might be, another thing you might wonder is like the angle of the chanter. Mm -hmm. And um, straight up and down is fine, but it's probably more realistically going to have that slight tilt 
off mm -hmm. towards your right hand when you play. Um, and uh, that is totally fine, right? We just want those hands to sit naturally and we want the chain in the center of the body. And then finally, we want that left arm to be unimpinged. Uh, so it's gonna have to squeeze the bag. It's got a lot of work to do, but we want that left forearm uh, to be unimpinged. And I don't know, uh, Jim and anyone watching, you could just grab your forearm like this with your other hand mm -hmm. and then try to wiggle your fingers. Yeah. And you can yeah. see how that feels. Yeah. It feels awful. So we want the bag not to be sort of doing that to our arm as we play. But anyway, that's a really quick run through, and actually not that quick, but it's a really quick run through of those four things. Um, and then if we get all of those things right, uh, we're usually really good to go. And uh, if anything, if any one of those things is glaringly out of place, we would usually want to correct that as early as possible in the learning process. Uh, and that tends to kind of allow for the best possible development. But then, like, as you can see, especially when it comes to the left arm, that, that could play a role in, uh, in what sort of hand angle you end up with on the left. But yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I would need to correct that. So if I saw someone with a 45-degree angle on the left, I think I would be okay with it as long as everything else uh, about our finger posture is good. Like, for example, that we're using the pads properly on the hands, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That we're able to produce good grace notes. That the fingers don't uh, get curly, yeah. right? Especially the claw on the left hand. Uh, we, we definitely, that's something we really, really need to fix, okay? Um, which, by the way, does seem to happen quite a bit. We get that middle finger, the middle finger claw, you know, those are the things that I'd be really concerned about, not necessarily that angle. Totally uh, makes sense. Another thing, like, I'm not sure if Matt McIsaac is double-jointed or something, but you'll see, like, his middle finger kind of flexes, uh, kind of flexes inward, which yeah. you'll sometimes see as well, which, uh, which I, it's not the first time I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit. And that can be okay as long as everything else is going well. But sometimes it's an indication that a player is gripping the chanter too much. So mm. that, that could be something to look at. I wouldn't advocate for total relaxation either. But sometimes just the death grip is something that could be fixed. But uh, if you've ever heard Matt McIsaac play, uh, left-hand control is not a big issue. No, not at all, so, yeah. So like, like, like we said before, we'll see lots of exceptions to these things. Um, and the proof will be in the pudding, right? Like, like yeah. uh, Matt McIsaac is scoring 51 points a game in the NBA. So we're gonna... Hey, everybody. Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo. And I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening.